If you're trying to figure out how to navigate the tricky tightrope of parenting while you have questions, doubts, and wonderings about your spiritual journey, our podcast is for you. It doesn't matter if your kids are smalls, middles, or bigs. We'll explore what and how we're deconstructing from churchianity, harmful belief systems, and diving deep into the ways we can work this out in parenthood. We're also going to work through ideas for reconstructing a space for our families to thrive under new systems of love and freedom. We can't wait to bring you some hope that you're not alone and that it's really okay, even good, to explore all the possibilities that may have felt closed off in the past. Our podcast is going to offer you grace and space to be exactly where you are and who you are. We're really glad you're here and we're excited for today's episode. Listen in. When love speaks and both sides listen, hearts connect and healing begins. Shelby Spear. Welcome back to the Deconstructing Mamas podcast. Today we are talking with Shelby and Karen Spear, and we're super excited to have you guys. They have a really powerful story to share with us. So thanks so much, guys, for coming on. Thanks for having thanks us. For we're having super us. excited to be here. Super excited. Absolutely. We are equally excited, I'm sure, if not more. I am thrilled to have you guys on. I wanted to do that for a long time. <laughs> So I'm going to just start out by asking you guys just to tell us a little bit about yourselves. What does your day look like? What does your family look like? And what intrigued you guys to come on our podcast? All right. You want to start? Yes, I can. Sure. Go ahead. (laughs) My days are very different day to day. Last year was my first year really trying to be an entrepreneur as an artist. And there was a lot of just uncertainty of what my days would look like. And now after having a year under my belt, now my days kind of fluctuate back and forth between planning for my music festival, writing new music and editing videos and trying to read. I love to read. I love to walk and get out in nature. So always trying to build my schedule around my rest. That's been a big keynote for me this year. So my days are heavily focused on finding balance among my creative interests while also taking care of myself spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. So my days are, they start, but it's pretty consistent with uh, meditation first thing in the morning. I I have kind of a practice that I go through. I, I work from home. I'm a writer and I do a lot of right now, I, I guess I, I should talk where I'm at presently, which is writing new programming. Cause I'm going to be getting out there and doing some teaching around some of the concepts of healing and shifting our mindset so we can thrive and getting unstuck with some of the thoughts and beliefs that kind of drive our, look how she looks at me, <laughs> um, that, that drive our, our behaviors and our emotions. So a lot of writing, a lot of planning, and I do a ton of reading too. I'm like obsessed and I'm a personal development junkie. So I'm always listening to podcasts and, and stuff like that and, and loving my conversations with, with her when they get intermixed. <laughs> yeah. She's about an hour away. So yeah, I live on the West side. So we get our okay. phone calls in when we can, which pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. And when we get to see each other in person, it's great. So thank you for giving us a reason to be in the same space. Yeah, that's right. Aww, and I'm love that. Book with this one right here with, with Esther. So that's yeah, another fun project. Yeah, we are. So um, what does your family look like? So she's the youngest. She's 24. And then I have two older sons, 28, who and a daughter in love. And then my first granddaughter is going to be here in May. 
And then my middle son is 26. So we're all 21 months apart. So growing up, all three of us were in high school together at the same time. And then we all were in college together at the same time, but we all went to different schools, but we all grew up pretty close in age. So we shared a lot of the same friends. We did a lot of the same activities and we had pretty young and cool parents. To <laughs> we got pretty lucky having such hip parents. <laughs> yeah. I, I we, my husband and I've been married for 28 years. So yeah. big shout out to, to him because he's, he yeah. keeps everybody together here. So he's a great <laughs> well, the funny thing was Liz was like, is this a mother and daughter or what? <laughs> when she saw you, I was like, these people are gorgeous. Are they sisters? Is it a mother and daughter? Like, I don't even know. I, I think that we were sisters in another life. And now I think we bickered when we were sisters in a different life. And now we have a lot more reverence for each other in this life. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? What intrigued you guys when we asked you to come on the podcast? Well, the whole deconstruction story, obviously, because that was her sexuality journey was the big entry point for me into that process. Yeah, Um, for me, I think watching my mom deconstruct from her faith as an act of solidarity for me is one of the coolest things I'll ever get to say in my life. And so any platform or organization or community that's trying to help other parents deconstruct and open up to supporting their kids the way their kids need I'm all for so that's why I'm here <laughs> oh, I love that. thank you for giving us the space to talk yeah oh, we're so thrilled yeah. so can you tell us a little bit about your faith backgrounds before we sort of plunge into your story Sure. So I, my faith started to build alongside my kids because I didn't have much of any structure growing up. We went to church periodically. There wasn't talk of God. It wasn't, I I really don't remember maybe grace every now and then before dinner. So I really was a clean slate when I came to this and my, when I met my husband in college, he was going to church. I'm like, there's a church on campus. <laughs> like I, but that's how it was for me. And so I, he was just so in love with the Lord and I was intrigued by his faith. And I wanted to know what is this love that you have for God? Like, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to understand it. So I just kind of dove head first in. And then I went through RCIA and became Catholic while I was pregnant with our oldest son. So then just teaching my kids along the way. And we were very involved in church. Yeah. I grew up in a very Catholic household because of their beliefs that they, my mom found through my dad, that my dad had from his family dynamic growing up. So we were a church every Sunday kind of family. I went to private school. My brothers and I, we all went to private school, Catholic school until about junior high. Um, And they were super involved in the life team program at church and did some pretty amazing things there. We were always involved in Bible school in the summer. We did all of the retreats and everything. We went through all the sacraments up through confirmation. That's kind of my background up until I realized that I liked girls as well. That was the first time I started raising some questions because that was the first time in my life that the faith that I loved so dearly started to feel more damaging than uplifting. Mm-hmm. So up until that point, would you say that you felt like you had a pretty good relationship with your faith? You didn't have maybe a lot of questions. You were like, oh, this is cool. Like we're going to church camp and I'm with my youth group. Did you feel like you've settled? And then when you started having these questions, it unraveled? 
from when I was very, very little, I have so many different memories of feeling, I would just call it the wind. I just kept saying that it was the wind, that the wind came today and it made me feel so much joy. And I had this deep love for Jesus from when I was very little. And I loved going to youth group. I loved going to Bible camp in the summer because I got to see my friends and we got to read stories. And even like the retreats that I went on in life teen were, were empowering. It felt like such a rich community. So I was a thousand percent bought in. I think the only thing about my faith that constantly left me, well, actually there's two things about my faith that left me confused prior to realizing that I liked girls. And that was, I had a pretty traumatic experience on a youth retreat that frightened me in a lot of ways and started making me ask some questions. I just had a hard time connecting with the Eucharistic rite at church. And I know that was like the crux of Catholicism. That's supposed to be the thing that is the most sacred. And I just never felt connected to that. And it was confusing for me. And I didn't understand why. Mm -hmm. But those were the only two things that kind of left me feeling lost in my faith. Everything else I felt connected to. I felt in love with the community. And I felt most of all that my relationship with Jesus was the backbone of my life. So to discover a faith saying that people like who I was discovering myself to be were not welcomed or accepted or loved by Jesus was the most devastating news ever. So that's when things started to, the bomb started to go off in my head. Yeah. Yeah. So Karen, I uh, read a letter that you wrote to your uh, younger self a couple of years ago, I believe, when I read it originally, it really struck me how much pain faith communities cause <laughs> for kids like you who are questioning whether or not God still loves them. And uh, as a mama, it just breaks my heart, to be honest with you, because I know I never, ever want my kids to feel any rejection at all and especially rejection by God. So my question for you is, how did it feel for you um, when this sort of came to light? And what were the steps that you walked through? I know they were very, very painful and very difficult. And then what gave you sort of glimpses or what led you to even come out to your parents? Mm, okay, <laughs> thank you. So I started having my first feelings for my best friend at the time when I was 15. And when I realized that those feelings were not just like, oh, I can't wait to hang out with my friend, but like, I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling all of the same feelings that I have felt for boys in the past now with my female friend. I mean, bewildering is such an understatement for that because homosexuality was something that wasn't even talked about in my, in my life. It was not, we were not educated about it in school. It was demonized by my classmates for the few very brave souls who were out in high school. And so to see this stirring in me, knowing what I was hearing at mass on Sundays, thinking that I didn't belong to that community and now starting to realize that I do, it was just the fastest spiral into despair that my life is not even worth living because I'm going to go to hell anyway. And so 
to be 15 years old wrestling with the concepts of salvation and damnation and heaven and hell and rejection and acceptance and being loved and being damned. I mean, you can imagine like anybody wrestling with those questions at any age is devastating and traumatizing, but to be so young and to be experiencing that it completely warped my sense of self. Mm -hmm. And I, just really fell into horrible habits of, of self-harm and negative self-talk and isolation. And it was just like the most challenging time of my life. And I think that will remain true for the rest of my life. Honestly, I don't think it gets much darker than believing your life is worth nothing in the eyes of God because of something you literally cannot change no matter how hard you pray every night. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously being that young and seeing how people reacted to other people being out and, and hearing my parents' friends openly talk about gay people in a derogatory way, I just in no way wanted to say anything because I didn't even know what was going on. I was still holding on to this hope that maybe I could change mm. and maybe I could be normal. Clearly that didn't happen. The more I realized my prayers weren't being answered, the less I believed that God even existed. And maybe none of this faith is real at all. And maybe we're all alone and maybe I'm alone. You know, maybe I just have to figure out how to wake up tomorrow. And that will be the story of my life. That became clear in my behavior and my expression and just the, the, the overwhelming noticeable sadness I carried every day that my parents clearly noticed something was going on. And that's kind of where I will pass the baton to you and you can, because if it weren't for her at the time, I would have, who knows if I would have even been out by now, I might still be in in this prison had she not done what she did. Yeah. Well, pulled you out of the closet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I always say she dragged me out by my feet (laughs) in love. Yeah. In In love, love. in love. I, I just, can I touch on that aspect of that the question you were just asking her? Because if you can try to imagine a parent, you've, you've, you heard us talk at the beginning about the faith foundation that we were trying to build around our children and all the involvement that we had in ministry. We were ministry leaders in marriage ministry, in the youth ministry. I led women's Bible studies. Mm-hmm. We led, I mean, we were just doing all the things. And God was openly discussed in our home and, and always telling our kids how much God loved them and that they were worthy no matter what. The dialogue was all of this, you know, this, this huge container that was supposed to hold our kids in God's love. So we have this relationship in our family. We have this good foundation, but yet she went 19 months before we had a single conversation, like mm-hmm. she didn't even feel safe coming to me mm-hmm. to tell me this. I don't know even know how to even process that still to this day, but that just goes to show you there's a big problem here because like as loving and as open as our family was, I still felt so the, the heaviness of what was coming from the pulpit yeah. was mm-hmm. so- it trumped our family's love and right. And- relationship with God. The community around you created this barrier. You know, that's one piece of it, but I also have to own my piece of it, which is we didn't discuss 
diversity in this home. And that's one of the things mm -hmm. we talk about in our webinar, which mm -hmm. was not on purpose. It wasn't like we're never going to have these conversations. It was just we live in a town that is heteronormous and almost everywhere. <laughs> it's, you know, conservative and everybody's it's just a silo. OK, so yeah. we don't have diversity in in our community. And so we were just chugging along, living life, doing the things, clearly trying to make a difference and serve people and love people, but having no concept or idea of how much more that added to the struggle. Because if had we had these conversations, she would have known where we stood, stood regardless. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to throw that out there before the coming in, as we like to say. Yeah, the coming out. <laughs> Yeah, but coming in because I, it was a uh, podcast that Jen Campmaker had and someone commented below and said that they don't have a coming out party. They had a coming in because she's inviting you into her world. You're already familiar with your world, but this is a world that she wants people to get to understand is what's her life like. So what happened? So what happened was... <laughs> Thanks for keeping us on track, Karen. A, mom, a mom's intuition is strong, okay? And, and I just, there was her behaviors around this girl. It was like, it was so obvious that it was not just a friendship. <laughs> I could see that. My husband and I had had some conversations, but she was also struggling. And so I'm trying to piece it together. Maybe she's, this is really her struggle and she's not telling us and I could just swoop in and unburden her. Right. Cause that's what moms mm. want to do. What I really was trying to do was unburden me if I'm being honest, because that's really how it goes. But uh, we were watching parenthood, which was our golden calf of our family at the time, obsessed with that show. And she was watching it with us. And there was a Maddie, the girl had a girlfriend. And when it happened on the show, I was like, yes, now I can broach this subject a little bit. She paused the television immediately following the, the one scene with any representation of a gay character and said, honey, I just want you to know if there's ever anything that you want to tell us, you can, and we love you. And I'm like, great. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. I'm going to run to the bathroom Ran upstairs, <laughs> texting my girlfriend, like, they know. And she's like, what do you mean they know? I'm like, they know. They paused the show <laughs> right after this scene. And they paused it again at the end and, like, tried swooping me in for a hug and repeated themselves, like, you can tell us anything. And I'm like, thanks, guys. Well, I I'm kept persisting. Gonna... Yeah, she just kept, I kept, kept pushing. I kept pushing and really, truly from the best intentions. Best intentions really thinking that she was hurt, like she needed to get this out because she was <laughs> struggling. And so she, I'm like, so what's really going on? You know? Yeah. She's like, what's going on with, well, we call her, Beth. we call her Beth. What, what's going on with Beth? I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, what's going on with Beth? She's my best friend. I don't know what you're talking about, mom. She's <laughs> like, no, but really <laughs> what's going on with Beth? <laughs> And then I just started sobbing yeah. because at that point it was like, I can't keep up this lie. She clearly knows even if I got out of this conversation, she's just going to bring it up tomorrow or next week. So mm -hmm. I might as well just yeah. say, yeah, <laughs> we like each other. Yeah. 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 So it wasn't, it was definitely not a great, the greatest way for that to happen, you know, no. because she wasn't ready. I, I mean, I was able to tell her, we love you. 
and anyway. you know, God loves you. Yeah, we love you anyway. I heard that. I've heard that. I love you anyway is an awful thing. Is that correct? And can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Just I, I think our listeners really need to hear about that, like that. I love you, no matter what or anyway. Even though, what message does that send? Yeah, I think from the child's perspective, hearing that it to me it translates like to say I love you is very clear. You love me. To add no matter what insinuates that you've done something wrong, or it insinuates that something is potentially unlovable by others, but I love you no matter what, or despite that thing. And I love you anyway, definitely insinuates that there is something wrong here, but I'm going to choose to show you love regardless. And that that is a very damaging, at least it was for me. I do know that it is for other people as well, but potentially not for everybody. But I think for those that it is damaging to, that's valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of a pendulum swing too, because while we're trying to just like a culture in general, right, we're trying to kind of create this community that's like welcoming and accepting of so many different people. And so I think as we're trying to do that, being like extra cautious with what you're saying is huge because there's such a rawness and a vulnerability even now, like you were talking about, to be able to bring this to the attention of your family or the people you you love, or, you know, I mean, even people who aren't coming from a religious background, coming in is a struggle, right? I was just talking with a friend of mine, talking about this idea. We both grew up in church communities. We're both married to men, love our husbands dearly, but we were talking about this idea of what if we had had permission as young people to really explore our own sexuality, what would that have looked like? It was a pretty vulnerable conversation, but it also felt really, really earth shattering to me. And I found myself thinking like, I want my kids to have this ability to explore their sexuality. It can land any which way, but I just want them to be able to explore it and figure it out and not have somebody handing them their sexuality, right? The fact that you recognize the limitations that you experienced in your own life and want a better world and will therefore create a better world for your kids is literally the only thing that we as kids can ask for because Mm -hmm. there are so many people that have come across my life that have been suffering because they haven't felt that they had the permission and just being able to tell them you can, it's okay. And watching them allow themselves to explore. I mean, there's no better feeling as a friend or as a person who's gone through the pain of paving my own way on my own and giving myself the permission Mm -hmm. than to offer that shoulder or that helping hand for somebody else who doesn't feel they have the strength or the permission to let themselves do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's beautiful. It's really powerful stuff. I think these things are like the crux of faith, right? It's like, okay, well, if this isn't a thing, then everything falls apart. But like you were saying earlier, this idea that Jesus doesn't love you when you're starting to think about, okay, like girls, okay, wait, so Jesus must not love me because that's what I'm hearing all around me. It's so devastating that that is still happening all around us, and it is. And 
the fact that you guys are like creating this space to talk about this and that you're willing to share your story is huge because I know that this is a battle for a lot of people right now. They don't yeah. feel like they have a safe place to just be them and mm -hmm. still know that they are loved by God. Right. Yeah. Right. Kudos to both of you, the bravery that it took. I know as a mom, kudos to Shelby for really diving head first into something that probably felt uncomfortable or shocking or just out of the box. Like, this is so awful to say, but I remember saying to my kids, my kids said to me one time, would you rather have a Down syndrome child or a gay child? And I said, oh, I think I'd rather have a Down syndrome child because then at least they're supported by the community. Ooh. Everybody steps in and is like, wow, this differentness is beautiful and we all love and we'll come on. Whereas a mom, if I had a, had a gay child, I would have lost my community. It was so awful when I actually recognized it and then more awful when I realized why I would have rather which to me, I don't know, kudos to Shelby. Like, Shelby, how how did it feel right away? I know you were sort of expecting it. And then what steps did you guys take toward healing your personal relationship, if there was even a healing that was needed? And then moving on from there, as you told people or as you've gone on this journey to get the word out. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, thank you for what you said and for the question. I. I would say she clearly wasn't ready to come out, like I mentioned, and, and I wasn't ready either, even though I wanted to help her in that situation and just let her know that I wanted her to hear from my mouth that God, loved, God loves you. You're not going to hell. I needed to get those words out. Um, however, I'm still dealing with all these constructs and all this teaching around this homosexuality that I'm trying to make sense of. And, and so for me, it was fear. I was just consumed with fear. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was my responsibility, Shelby, for my daughter's salvation. And that if, if I screwed up, it's going to be on me if I don't lead her the right way. And, and, mm -hmm. and I remember hearing a podcast another mother was saying the same thing and she had this aha moment she's like that's God's job like I, I just need to love my kid don't worry about them more than anything I was just afraid of leading her wrong and that burden was so great but yet on the flip side I was watching her whittle away with just this pain that she was going through and so nothing in front of me None of my experience made any sense next to the words in the book, okay, mm -hmm. or the things I was hearing from the pulpit or whatever. It's like, this scripture says this, well, that's great. But you know what? My experience with my kid is I'm seeing my daughter miserable, trying to pray away her identity, her existence, her soul. How is this right? You could tell me to read all these scriptures about it and, and that this is a sin and this and that. From that point on, I decided that my only way of evaluating anything is love and logic. And there was just no logic and no love 
to keep going down a path that would suggest that God, first of all, the Catholic teaching, and, and, and we've never been about telling anybody what to believe. That's not our job. I'm just sharing from what my own research, what the, the Catholic, Catholic doctrine admits that her inherent attraction is how she was made. Being attracted to the same sex is not a sin in itself because morality presumes choice. She didn't have a choice. That was how she was made. Says it, black and white. And in the next vein, it's however you should never act on that because yeah. it's acting that is the problem, is the yeah. sin. So at first, I really was caught on that. I'm like, okay, well, you know, she should probably be chased then, I guess. And again, I'm alone on this journey because I have no community. I didn't tell a soul because it was her story. It was our, my husband and I, Karen and Jesus. That was our group, right? And, and her and, and Beth and her <laughs> girlfriend. So I'm trying to work these big questions out on my own too, feeling like I had nowhere to turn except online groups. That's when I started diving into books and learning church history and just I, I had to find the answer. And essentially, I just shut everything off and didn't listen to anybody but Jesus in my heart. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'm going in here because that's where I'm going to find the truth. Mm -hmm. And the truth sets you free and love my child like a maniac. And that's it. None of this other stuff even makes sense to me. We've talked a lot this idea of, you know, if you take hell off the table, right, especially in parenting, if you can take hell off the table and not be concerned about eternal damnation of your child, because isn't that what it comes down to? Like, you're afraid that you're in charge of the salvation of your children or else, you know, la, 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 la. like it just becomes this buzzing in your head. But if you can take hell off the table and just really respond to everything right any kind of situation out of god's inherent love for us it changes the way that you approach everything i'm a young mom i have a four-year-old i have a two-year-old you know i'm new at this and i came into parenting already having these ideas these like deconstruction ideas and so i began parenting that way and so it's been so interesting to talk with esther and parents with older kids and even my own parents now and hear from them some of the reasons why they parented the way they did and so much of it comes back to this idea of just i was just afraid that i wasn't going to do everything that i could to save my kid which makes so much sense to me but gosh when you take that off the table and you just know that god is good and here and just loves us it actually changes everything like that is the actual gospel the thing that really flipped me on my head in my parenting was these words by emily p freeman which is are you led by love or pushed by fear and i just think about karen being in a most scared place and we're usually scared and our probably our greatest fear of all is that we'll be rejected <sighs> left alone, whatever, and ultimately rejected by this God who supposedly loves us. That's the ultimate rejection. That's the ultimate thing that's kind of held over us. I'm afraid I'm being pushed by this fear of rejection on every front, my community, my 
eternal soul, my own self. And when that flips, like I'd love, I love your relationship now, even just at the beginning, watching the two of you. And for those of you who are listening on the podcast, they're very physically affectionate with each other and just can't get enough of each other. And I, <laughs> they're doing they're the it cutest ever. Watch the video. It's so cute. Esther, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you would be interested in hearing that, like your question about how did you heal? What were the steps yes. to get from? I would love to share my perspective because I think there's so much. No. And I just have to say to our listeners, this is so great because we're so in, engaged in this conversation that I'm really happy that Karin is keeping us on track. So Karin, why don't you tell <laughs> us? <laughs> so Karin, tell us just about your journey towards healing. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. Yes. Okay. So you got the story of, of how she asked me in, and how I came out. So now the cat is out of the bag for us. And this is where our relationship started to shift because up until this point, we were like thick as thieves, how we are now. We were super, super close, like sisters hung out, just had such a great friendship. And then all of a sudden there's this elephant in the room because I'm wrestling with my fears and my damnation. And now I feel so exposed. I feel mm -hmm. naked mm -hmm. in, in this secret that I don't even understand yet. And she's consumed in fear, worrying about my salvation and, and doing the, the right thing and diving into research and trying to become an educated ally while I'm trying to wrestle with my demons. This is when things started to shift because as she started reading more and learning more and diving into the catechism and in communities surrounding children that are of faith that are also on the LGBTQ spectrum, she started sending me articles to read in good intention to give me hope, but really it destroyed me because I was off at college by this point and I was getting emails while I was in class about how people can change. A testimony of somebody that has been with the same sex for 30 years and they've never made love and that you can do it too. And having a girlfriend at the time and receiving these messages and feeling just so dirty in every way in what I knew to be a pure, beautiful love with my partner. And so the, the wedge and the divide between my mom and I really started to grow because I could feel her fear and her mm -hmm. confusion. And I didn't have any more room in my cup no. for hers. Mine was already overflowing with my own fears and my mm -hmm. own doubts and my own insecurities about my own decisions. Mm -hmm. And it caused such a distance in our communication, which is really what was the demise of our relationship for really only like a year, if that. Mm -hmm. Where I felt, again, like, I don't feel like I can talk about my relationship. I definitely can't ask questions about my sexuality. Like, I feel like maybe I could if I was with a man. There's no space for my relationship to exist in that way anywhere. Not even here. So that caused a serious divide in us. But over time, as she just kept researching more and more and more and finding more people that deconstructed and found truth for themselves, she, I don't know at what point you had your own aha moment, but I remember being in the car with her after a year of this being out and somehow bringing up the intimacy of my relationship and somehow suggesting that, like, I know that you, you don't think this is right or whatever. And she was like, what are you talking about? I moved past that idea six months ago. I firmly believe that you are not only permitted, but 
encouraged to celebrate the love that you share between you and your partner. I am so sorry that you didn't know my perspective has changed. Mm -hmm. And when she said that to me, I literally just started sobbing because I was like, you approve? It's okay. You're on board with this now. Like all of a sudden my relationship in its entirety could exist in my, in nowhere else, but my home. And that was enough because at first it was nowhere. And now all of a sudden I had one truly safe space. Mm -hmm. And that caused more and more dialogue because at the beginning she asked so many questions because she wanted to know, and I didn't have answers. And it was like, God, can you just stop sitting me down for these family meetings with you and dad? I don't know what to say. I don't know what this means. But eventually as like the distance grew, we, we allowed each other and ourselves space to learn on our own. And then that brought us back together to start having educated and compassionate and patient conversations. I learned how to be compassionate for her fears and give her the space to express them. And she learned how to respect my boundaries. Mm -hmm. And once we figured that out in our communication, it was like, Mm -hmm. (sighs) (laughs) you know, our friendship just like all of a sudden there it was again. And now, then we went on this deeper journey of now that we fixed our relationship, how can we take this and help Anybody yeah. else who feels yeah. broken in their parent-child because relationship. Because this is, it's a struggle for parents. They don't know how to change their perspective because it's frightening mm-hmm. and they don't have the support and they don't have the community. And we're both willing to sit here and, and I'm willing to share that I made a lot of mistakes, but I was doing my best with what I knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like everybody. And I want to say that to every parent, mm-hmm. like you are doing your best with what you know. To the kids that are feeling bitter and feeling resentful, most likely justified, I encourage you to find more humility and more grace for your parents and and confidence to articulate yourself that you can allow them the compassion and the grace to be afraid, Mm -hmm. but you are also allowed to place firm boundaries in the ground and say, no, you're entitled to your feelings, but you are not entitled place those burdens and those fears on me. One of the things, other big mistakes that I made, which was a huge lesson for parenting in general was she could read my face, but (laughs) I tried not to like really show. And there was one day that I just burst into tears and Mm, and spilled out this whole thing about my dreams for her to be with a man and have Mm -hmm. this fairy tale wedding. And marry someone like dad and and, and, and met, blah, you know blah, blah. a man will keep you safe and a woman won't keep you safe that was that was one, one of the worst, worst things I could have ever done yeah because yeah, as she said she's already filled to here feeling like I've disappointed can I just interrupt and ask a question quickly about that very thing Shelby would there have yeah. been a better space for you to share your fears yes because it's a true grieving I, I'm not saying that I should have never had dreams. And I did have to go through the grieving of all these expectations that I had, Mm -hmm. even though those expectations were not, I was like, wow, I've mapped out my whole kid's life. Mm -hmm. This isn't even my life. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. And, you know, not, not that it's all bad. Yes. You want your kids to be healthy and happy and whole and meet wonderful partners and have a beautiful life. And, and that's great. But to literally 
think that that fairy tale is going to ha happen a certain way, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment, sadness, whatever. I needed to process that, not with my child. Right. Like that was like big no-no. And because we were close, we are very close. We share a lot of things. The lines got blurred. There was something else too. That <laughs> this is this is another thing that she made a mistake on that we can laugh about now. This is something else that I want to share for both parents and kids, reinforcing to the kids that you are allowed to have boundaries and for parents to respect your child's timing. My mom, because she was so alone as well, once she now had, she thought she was going to unburden me, but she really burdened herself. Funny how that works. <laughs> she wanted somebody to confide in as a friend so that she had somewhere to put these fears other than me or my dad. And she started subtly pressuring me lovingly, but pressuring me still to come out to her best friend who was like my aunt. And I knew in my gut that would not be a good idea. I knew I could tell already as much as this woman loved me and I loved her, I knew where she stood on this subject and I did not want to open myself up and throw myself into the fire. But I couldn't bear my mom's grieving and my mom's loneliness in this problem. That was my fault. So I felt that I had to now unburden my mother by following through on her wish and coming out to this person and it, 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 everything that I thought would happen happened. And it, it ended up causing severe damage in their friendship, which was even more devastating because it's like, yeah. now, now I'm, now I'm just like, nah, I'm ruining everything, <laughs> you know, but these are things that you just, you get, you learn and you, you learn. It's just yeah. like to really think I needed to just find a better support for myself. And that's what I would tell any, any parent in this situation, find the support. There's, there's people out there, you know, you don't, well, you guys are out there, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, that's, out that's here. Precisely, precisely. Because if we can do anything to help another parent or child alleviate a fraction of what we struggled with, because they just feel like they can be open without mm -hmm. judgment. Like there's no judgment here. It's no matter what you're feeling, mm -hmm. we get it. It's a journey. Yeah, it's a journey. When you're talking about this, this mourning, mourning what you thought life was going to look like, or grieving what you thought life was going to look like, you're grieving this, these expectations that you had for your daughter, right? I was thinking about Glennon's podcast where she talks about her son coming out. He has two gay moms and very supportive father. And he comes out to Glennon and Abby and Glennon is like losing it. She was so scared for what he was going to have to face in his lifetime. And I think there's a piece of that too, because the truth is we still live in a society where there's a lot of openness about this and there's a lot of community with this, but then there's also like a lot of people that just, they don't get it. So, and she, she knows this, right? Cause she's, she's been there and she knows what that's like. And so she's seeing this. And so I think in any situation, no matter what you believe or think or what you're wrestling with, there's always a time for grieving and mourning of something. But I just thought that was so interesting. They are the gayest of the gays, right? They're there. And right. still for her, as a mom, she's processing this because it's any kind of big change and any kind of thing that seems like it might be in any way hard for your kiddo, 
you just you don't know what to do with it right it feels scary it feels overwhelming but i do love this emphasis that you guys have put on the idea of boundaries and how important it is for you both to be able to have the space to have your feelings and communicate them at appropriate times in appropriate ways without just completely dumping on each other and then especially as a mom shall be for you to be able to have appropriate ways to express those feelings without putting that extra pressure that is such a in itself just a beautiful beautiful message and a really really important message that we really need in all of our relationships right like having appropriate boundaries is like isn't that humanity like 101 and we all struggle with that as i was thinking about your healing journey and this is i don't know who said this and it was probably related to COVID or something they said we need to have grace and space for each other and i have like latched onto that in every which way and i that is what i've i see in your relationship wow you guys can have grace for each other like for who you have been, who you kind of are now in the middle of your mess, and then also space for what you're going to be, the redemption that you're going to have in your relationship, looking for freedom and who you're going to become. And there's this like beautiful dance of grace and space. And I am like all on those words because that is what I'm seeing in you. And ah, I'm sorry. I'm so... I just love, I love your relationship now. And I love that it was not perfect. And I love that you guys shared all the crap because ah, for the parents and people who are listening, this is a twisty, windy journey. This is not up and to the right. And then there's all the emotions that go along. And then there's the mom guilt for doing the things wrong and having to process that. I think, I think probably of all of the lessons that we learned throughout this journey that we've been on. I would say from my perspective, the biggest lesson for both of us is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Her needing to forgive herself for the mistakes she made and me needing to forgive her for the things that she did to hurt me. Because if I couldn't forgive you for what happened, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have the relationship we had. And if you couldn't forgive yourself, you wouldn't have the relationship with yourself and mm-hmm. with me because mm-hmm. you wouldn't you would never be able to move on right so like i think that comes back to the humility her humility in saying i messed up and my humility in saying it's okay mm-hmm. we love each other let's mm-hmm. move forward from here and not hold on to the past mm-hmm. i think that needs to be the message for all kids and parents that are struggling is finding forgiveness on both ends mm-hmm. for every thing <laughs> yours was a, yours is a story where it was like huge right you guys were forced into this major making of boundaries and this big thing because of society mostly and because of what religion quote unquote tells us and but yet wow what powerful messages of boundaries and forgiveness and uh. and what you just said isn't it ironic that religion is all about keeping the family together. Mm-hmm. Yet these very messages drive a family apart. It's so upside down and backwards in so many ways. Yeah, I feel like we need to have you guys on again. I feel like we could talk a million more hours. Like we're going to have to get you guys back on here <laughs> and talk about more stuff. This has been really great.
Yeah, it has been so good. And I know that you guys on your website have all kinds, I was looking at it today, of helpful tools, podcasts, books, influencers that people can go to if they're walking in this journey. And then you two, I know, are always available to just listen and guide people along. So thank you. We'll put that all, all of this information is going to go into our show notes. Can you just tell us, though, to end the show, where everyone can find you, Karin, your music, ah, your voice, I don't even know what to say, and Shelby, your words are to die for. <laughs> uh, yeah, my Instagram is at pure underscore Karin, which is K-A-H-R-I-N. My website is karinmusicofficial.com, and you can pretty much, if you type in Karin on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, uh, it'll, it'll show up pretty quick. So yeah, that's where you can find me. So excited. Yeah. And you can, my shelbyspear.com is my website. And there's a link to our Love Speaks on there. It's lovespeaks.life. That's the ministry. And for every, all of my handles are Shell Spear, S-H-E-L. <laughs> it's all on there. You'll find it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. And I am just going to end with a quote from Glennon that Karen shared. The only thing that was ever wrong with me was my belief that there was something wrong with me. Peace out, guys. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this episode on the Deconstructing Mamas podcast. We love that you tuned in and hope that this gave you a little bit of grace and space for your soul to breathe. Don't forget to catch up on any of our episodes that you missed. And remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Deconstructing Mamas. That's where you'll find all the information that you need about the podcast, as well as on both of our websites, estherjoygets.com and elizabethpetters.com, as well as our brand new website, deconstructingmamas.com. If you would like to support the podcast, please leave us a review where you listen and especially tell others about the show. Thanks for listening and come back again for our next episode. We can't wait to be on the other side of your headphones.